All right. So why do people ever give estimated times? Because Apple said my phone would be done on Monday at 10 a.m. It says estimated time of arrival. Like, and even the guy when I took it in last Tuesday said it will be done for sure by Monday. He gave me a guarantee. And then, so I, w- I waited till after work, seven o'clock after dinner, and I go to the Apple store. That's nine hours after the estimated time. I go in, I'm like, hey, I'm ready to pick up my phone. They're like, oh, well, it's not ready yet. They're like, you should have got an email. Or like, it did say 10 a.m. She's like, that's the estimated time. <laughs> so I was like, why well, even put that on there? And now it's been, what is it, three days? Was it Thursday, four, three and a half days since then? Yeah. So it's four days past the estimated time. So nowhere near the estimated time. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, why even tell me it's going to be ready by Monday? So, so do you have a working phone or what? Well, I still got that loner phone, but... <laughs> so you still... Texting still and calling, and I have no clue who's texting or calling me at all times. Hmm. So you still got the burner, though? Yeah. Huh. Well, I have a similar story before we get into, um, before we tangent into this last weekend. Um, but I was going to, uh, right before Thanksgiving, I had to get these malaria tablets for going to Southeast Asia, which I don't even know if they're real. We'll have to get your expert opinion on vaccinations and, uh, I feel like we're going to have a lot of answers to, like, our doctor problems now that Sam's on the podcast. Um, but anyway, so I had to get, like, these uh, things for – there were some antibiotics if you have super, super bad traveler's diarrhea. Um, anyway, so I had to get this filled, and I stopped at the Walgreens, and they're like, well, uh, it turns out your original order was uh, – it was, like, placed 10 days ago by the doctor or whatever – um, so they decide not, or they decide to unfill your prescription. Um, and then after they, uh, after they like unfill, unfill your prescription, if you show up, they have to refill your prescription was what they told me. So I showed up one day and they said, Oh, this will take 15 minutes. We can go do it now, but, uh, you can, you can just come pick it up tomorrow. And I was like, okay, that sounds better than me waiting for 15 minutes. I showed up the next day, and they're like, oh, uh, it'll take 15 minutes for us to fill up the prescription. And I was like, you, uh, they told me the same thing yesterday. So eventually, they like never ended up filling They like filled the prescription once, unfilled it. Then I came back. They told me they were going to fill it. They never filled it, showed up the next day, and then they filled it, and I still had to wait 15 minutes. So I don't know like which customer service rep is worse, iPhone or Walgreens Pharmacy. Sam, your take? <laughs> That's a hot take. Um, I think when you're talking about those types of things, I mean, I guess what you got to expect is a delay, right? I mean, being in customer service like that, there's always going to be delays. Um, I know being in healthcare myself, it's hard to give people time, especially when you're in pharmacy, but yeah, it's some BS. I'll be pissed in both situations. So being in pharmacy, does that make you pro vaccine? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think, you know, to, to get your medical license and graduate from medical school, yeah, you have to be pro-vaccine. So, yeah. Well, somebody, can, I feel like somebody's got to be contrarian, even though I'm not anti-vaccine. Whoa. I'm going to take one for the team. I mean, I, I, I can be contrarian, too. I mean, what are your thoughts on herd immunity? That was some sociology, sociology 170 stuff going on there. Yeah, so, I mean, when you look at, like, the flu vaccine, for example, this last year, you know, so the flu vaccine itself has been shown to be, what, 10 to 60% effective in people that get it. 
but that doesn't include herd immunity and the effects that it has in preventing influenza in more high-risk populations like infants and elderly. Um, so there is the whole herd immunity aspect, and there's also the um, the, the direct vaccination aspect that you got to take into consideration. But yes, it's uh, I think the vaccination debate is a settled one. I mean, I one year I didn't get the flu shot, and I got the flu. <laughs> well, I guess I'm not doing too well in my anti-vaccine um, argument. Although I will say, I feel like the hottest chicks are always anti-vaccine. Kristen Cavallari, Jenny McCarthy, like, it's almost like Republican women. Like, they're always just, for some reason, hotter. Same with anti-vaccine. That's the only pro I got. Sorry. Um, what are the what are the Kardashians and the Jenners' thoughts on the vaccinations? They clearly gotta like them, right? Or at least is the like Botox a vaccine? Or is that just <laughs> like an injection? <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think Botox, Botox is a vaccine. Botox is not a vaccine. Uh, Botox is an injection of a uh, basically a muscle paralytic. That's why it prevents your skin from wrinkling. Also can be used for tension headaches, just a fun fact there for you guys. That's a fun fact. <laughs> you you heard it here first. <laughs> That's a hot take. <laughs> All right, um, let's move on from this yuck fest and get going into football. Um, in one word, I just want—I just want this on the record for next year. Uh, depending on how our season goes, in one word, should Paul Chris be fired? Um, I'll take the reins. Um, probably right. You lose the <laughs> what? You lose. I mean, Brett Bielema never lost to Minnesota. Gary Anderson never lost to Minnesota, but Paul Chris did. Um, so we got a Canada guy after losing a game, one game to one team. Yeah, I'm a strict boss. You, <laughs> I don't even believe in third chances, second chances, any ch- just one chance, and that he blew it. Well, I'm gonna take the other side of this debate and say that no, you cannot fire this guy after one loss to one team. I saw a statistic the other day that showed that Paul Christ one of two head coaches in the last 60 years that have started two their first two seasons with 10 win seasons. So I think that says something about the program and the direction that it's going. Yeah, we had a setback here. Yeah, we did suffer a pretty <clears throat> debilitating loss to the, to the Minnesota. Yeah, we lost the Axe. But I think, you know, we had enough talent coming in. He's shown that he can recruit. Jonathan Taylor's his boy. I mean, he brought in some solid offensive linemen, some first-round picks. Um, so I think... Chris, Chris, the guy. Chris can be at the reins. He's a Wisconsin man. He played at Wisconsin. He's coached at Wisconsin. He's head coach at Wisconsin now. He's, he promoted it, internal hirings. We got uh, Jim Jimmy Leonard, defensive coordinator, Wisconsin man. I like the direction of our program. I think the Badgers just need to hire Cliff Kingsbury to be their quarterback coach. That would whatever. be awesome. Ten, twenty million. That that solves your quarterback problem, and then you that solves your not paying the assistant coach problem. That'd be the one way I keep Chris if we somehow get a quarterback guru. If we if we also hired Cliff Kingsbury, that would be the only person on our sideline with an active pulse, which I think would be a big upgrade. How, how, over under how many nights Cliff Kingsbury would be at the KK for now? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say something. Why is it that the Badgers cannot record a quarterback to save their life? The only good quarterback they've had, Russell Wilson, in the last like five or ten years, and he was a transfer. I don't know. Like 
there's some schools that just never have a quarterback, and I'll never understand. I mean, Alabama has won how many championships without a quarterback until this past year with Tua. So, who knows? Even Nick Saban can't figure that one out, I guess, until this year. To answer your question, I see Cliff Kingsbury is more of a Mondays type of guy, um, and then the occasional stop in at the W. No way. Mondays has just an absolute horrendous bathroom situation. Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury would never wait 20 minutes to take a piss. That doesn't matter to Cliff Kingsbury. He's walking out on State Street, and he's going to pee all over the place. He West- doesn't seem like a sloppy drunk. That seems more along like Lane Kiffin territory. <laughs> West, hitting on fours and pissing in sinks. Yeah, West West Texas doesn't know any rules, though. True. Okay, all right, then West Virginia, he's going to go to West Virginia. Oh, I like that. That would be fun. Actually, West Virginia would probably be the most exciting offense with Cliff Kingsbury, and then it would also be the most um, sloppy head coaching offensive coordinator situation in the country. Yeah. Do you, Sam, do you think, would you like him on the Bills? Like um, being like the the guru mentor for Josh Allen, because he's gonna get paid big bucks. Yeah, wherever he goes. Yeah, I think yeah, Kingsbury on the Bills that might not be a bad situation. Um, Allen's been developing. Took a step forward this last weekend. I don't know if we want to get into the Bills game yet. It's kind of one of our hot topics for the day. Absolutely, the Bills are a must talk every weekend. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 tangent off of this and just hop directly into the Bills, Bills, Jags. Sam, you're our new insider from Buffalo. Please break this down. Oh boy, Bills, Jags, man. If, if, for our viewers that didn't have the pleasure of watching, uh, Bills won this one. They uh, hopped off to an early fourteen nothing lead and didn't really let off the gas until the end of the game. Um, I think the big story is, like I said, Josh Allen taking a big step forward. He was, I think, 8 for 17, 160 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Also added 99 yards with his legs, another touchdown rushing. This guy was a real animal. He was throwing the ball a little bit more accurate than he has in the past, and he was showing a little more comfort- comfortableness in the pocket and moving around, escaping the pass rush. It was, it was kind of a nice thing to see. I think the biggest story in this one, too, is the uh, um, the Allen versus Jalen Ramsey Um Potential, well, not even potential, but the the trash talk of the straight up "you suck" comments that Jalen Ramsey made at the beginning of the year. Um, do you do you feel like Josh Allen answered his critics in this one, or do you feel like he still has anything to prove to Jalen Ramsey? And I mean, considering the Jags are three and eight, and Jalen Ramsey is on a terrible football team. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Josh Allen has anything left to Jalen Ramsey. I don't think Jalen Ramsey has anything thinks anything left. To Josh Allen has to say Jalen Ramsey at the end of the game. Jalen Ramsey went up to him. He was the first person to go over there and congratulate Jalen or congratulate Josh Allen, slap him on the shoulder. Josh Allen, there's a little video of this turn around, try to give him a little hug, but then they kind of like miscommunicated. It was kind of awkward. But <laughs> Jalen Ramsey did go over there and slap him on the helmet and say good game. So that was interesting to see. All right, the the next tangent that I have is based on Jalen Ramsey, um, Eric, and then Sam. Which team will Jalen Ramsey be on in 2019? Patriots, because just the Patriots, I feel like, have one trade per offseason. They'll somehow swindle, like, Gronk's retire. Gronk's going to retire, and he tells them that, and then they trade him in, like, a first for Jalen Ramsey. Can I already see it now? Packers. So, Does he have the stoutest secondary in the NFL? 
So I feel like this would have been a really fun top five for this week because there actually are a handful of hilarious teams that he he could end up on. Like the Pats would be the Pats would be awesome. Um, the two teams that I can think of is one I think it'd be hilarious if he was on the 49ers and Sherman came back and like actually had a pretty good year, just because that'd be the most loudmouth secondary of all time with Sherman on one corner and then Ramsey on the other. Um, and then the other one would be like the Seahawks. Um, granted, they don't have any players left in their secondary or basically on their team. But I feel like uh, watching him feud with Pete Carroll, similar to, you know, a la Richard Sherman, would also be pretty funny. Um, I feel like he's ending up back in Jacksonville because uh, Tom Coughlin actually seems like a pretty reasonable, uh, like, team operations GM guy, um, except for giving Blake Bortles uh, $18 million over three years. But I don't really see them moving Jalen Ramsey, uh, especially, uh, they, they might get swindled by Bill Belichick, but Tom Coughlin's taken the reins from Bill Belichick a couple times. I can definitely see personality-wise Jalen Ramsey meshing with the Seahawks. I feel like he would, he's replacing the lost, uh, the lost, um, Richard Sherman. There are too many double-digit favorites this week in the NFL. I'm sorry, I'm looking at like the betting line because I only take favorites. Because I never like to bet on, sorry, like teams like the Bills and like, the Cardinals and Raiders. I only bet on the favorites, but they're all favored by double digits. Rams are minus 10 on the road. Packers, minus 14 at home. Chiefs, minus 14 on the road at Oakland. You have to take all the favorites in these, right? You have to keep fading the bad teams this season. These are all way too high, though. What do you guys think? Sam, you go first. I gotta look these lines up. Yeah, I was looking at these lines too. Okay, wait, Chilson, go go back over them again. I need to. Pull, I just pulled them up. All right, we got we got my wait. Seattle's are they minus ten right now over San Francisco? What days? Yeah, at home. Yeah, and we got we got Kansas City, uh, dude. Minus fifteen for Kansas City on the road. I I don't really think you pump the brakes on. Like these are just some bad teams that can't stop anyone from scoring. Like, I think I would go like 30 with the Chiefs at Oakland. That's how confident I would be in that one. Yeah, and then like LA Rams at Detroit. Is Detroit the worst team that actually has like won a few games this year? Like every time I watch them, um, like, like even against the Bears, they just seem incompetent. Like the, I, I don't think the Bears are particularly, particularly good this season, but I, I don't understand how the, how the Lions have like more wins than the 49ers or the Raiders. They seem terrible. They also were somehow like buyers at the deadline, even though they had like a three and seven record. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. They traded for that defensive tackle and made a last minute move, and then they, they traded for him. They lost a game and they traded away someone, a big piece of their team. Like they were like thought maybe they were going to make a run at it, and they lost the game. They're like, well, looks like the season we're playing on next season. This is a subject we always talk about being a GM for a sports franchise. Mm. And I always think being an NBA would be the easiest. But I'm starting to believe that NFL, it might be the NFL just because there are so many piss poor teams. There's at least eight that you can always like swindle in trades every season. Yeah, I mean, it's basically just like Madden, except like Madden is probably the most realistic franchise because you can always do like the signed free agent and free agents in the offseason for dirt cheap and then trade away for like draft picks and 
all like that is so realistic. Like you can always like call up the Cardinals or the, I mean the Browns for for obvious purposes, but you can always call them up and be like, hey, uh, third rounder for my defensive tackle that I'm not re-signing next year. Like eighty three overall. Like Jerry Jones, look at him. He gave up a first for a wide receiver. He'll do anything just to get a few more ticket sales. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's a, so there's one game that I want to talk about this weekend, and mainly just because I saw the line and it popped out to me, and um, you guys both have ro- at least somewhat rooting interest in this team. Packers are two touchdown favorites at home versus Arizona this week. Um, this is this is important for a handful of things. One, I just after watching Green Bay last weekend against Minnesota, I don't think they should be two touchdown favorites over literally anyone, even if it's Josh Rosen playing on the road in a freezing cold Lambeau field. Um, but two, how wrong were we and probably most people in the NFL about the Packers? I think we talked about this a little bit the last time on our podcast, but we haven't talked about it enough. What the hell has gone wrong this year and why are they so bad? Like besides yeah. Mike McCarthy. All right, I'll take this one to start. First, I think if you're going to bet the Packers this weekend, it has to be in a teaser yeah. where you tease them down to eight because that's at least manageable. I think they're going to win, but like I don't feel that confident, like you said. And then I think well, the reason we were so high on the Packers, we at least thought they were going to make the playoffs, right? Like a full season of Aaron Rodgers, the minimum should be playoffs. Yep. Uh, but now, even with him, they're, they're, they have just as bad of a record as – Last year when they had, who even was their starter? Brett Hundley. I was going to say Seneca Wallace. I was close. That was, <laughs> the, pre- it was the previous injury. Um, so they have the same record with Brett Hundley as they do Aaron Rodgers. I just think he hates like Mike McCarthy so much that he's just given up this season. And then the defense has always been bad, and that's why they're piss poor this season. Yeah, I think the main reasons that they've been playing really poorly – a, I think McCarthy is the coaching, is the play calls. That's the least creative offense in the NFL. Look at the New England Patriots. <clears throat> when they have nobody at wide receiver, they're still finding ways to get guys open and still winning games. And Brady's still throwing four touchdowns for 300 yards. Packers just are, there's no ingenuity with their play calling. Uh, I think a lot of that stems from McCarthy. <clears throat> uh, second of all, they've been dealing with some injuries, I think. You know, especially in the secondary. Look at look at how depleted the Packers secondary is. They've got Tremont Williams as their like best <laughs> defensive back. The guy's playing cornerback, the guy's playing safety, they're moving him all over the board. They're like in any situation, if Tremont Williams is one of your stud players in your team, you are in bad shape. That's a fact. <laughs> I don't think any GM draws up their roster and is like, I've got Tremont Williams, check. And then, I mean, maybe a few dudes in Madden. And then let's talk about salary cap and how overplayed the players are in the Packers. You've got Randall Cobb making $10 million a year. The guy has played like eight snaps. I've almost played more snaps than this dude has on the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Clay Matthews. This guy's making $12 million this year. This guy is more washed up than a beach shore. <laughs> these are some fiery takes i also am a huge anti um packers ownership i i i'm a huge fan of you need like one billion dollar owner that's just like a giant asshole and makes all the decisions and doesn't listen to anybody so you mean Jerry that Jones. sometimes does work like 
I know Jerry Jones is a dictator, but you need, <laughs> sometimes you need like accountability and you need, like there's no accountability when you have like 3000 owners, like the GM right now, like can't do, like he can do any, he, well, I guess he can just basically continue to mess up and like, there's going to be no accountability where, or if he had Jerry Jones as his owner, he would have been fired seven years ago. Same with Mike McCarthy. Sam, do you have one more uh, terrible contract for us? One more. Sorry, what was that? Do you have one more terrible contract and uh, metaphor for us? Um, no, I, I okay. ran out of steam there. Um, okay, so I, have a, I promise you there is one. Okay, I have a couple more. I, I have a couple more notes about the Packers. Um, the first one is the Packers realistically could totally be done if they hadn't pulled out that miracle comeback week one against the Bears, where if it was any team other than the Bears, they would have lost the game. Um, But the second thing is, for as little hope as there is for the Packers, these are their next five games, and there is some real chance that they run the table IMO. Um, Cardinals at home, they're 14-point favorites. Okay, like that, that should be a win. Packers then play Atlanta at home. Atlanta does not have a secondary that could be a shootout, um, you know, if Green Bay is at all competent. Then they play the Bears on the road, and then they finish up with at the Jets and at home for the Lions. All five of those games are extremely winnable. Um, that maybe then brings up the idea that the Packers are tanking a little bit, and Aaron Rodgers just wants to see Mike McCarthy fired. I don't think that that's like a crazy hot take. Is they just want to like he knows that he's got a stretch run in here. He's got five, six more years left. And he just wants McCarthy gone. He doesn't want to salvage the season. If the Packers don't like run the table and don't go nine and six, is that is that partially in play? Like he just he just is done with McCarthy, and he just wants to make sure that uh, the rest of his career with Green Bay, he's got like competent pieces around him. Eric, going to take this one? Yeah, I think he realizes when he signed the new contract that he is going to be when he's he's going to be stuck in Green Bay or whatever he is now for the next seven eight years. And if he's going to be stuck in Green Bay, he's going to want his guy. He's kind of like LeBroning the Packers right now, where he's just throwing like his teammates, his coaches under the bus. He wants his guys. He wants his coaches. I don't blame him, right? Like, if you're the best player, you should have, you should be surrounded with the best. They should be giving you the best. So I think he for sure is tanking this year to get McCarthy out so he can get a guy that he wants. Also, Mason Crosby is the seventh pay- highest paid guy in the Packers. So there is your at five and a half million. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's your bad contract. To be honest, look at this. Mason Crosby, yes, overall, he's had a pretty solid, consistent season. However, he did single-handedly cost us one win at Detroit. He missed yeah. four, he missed five field goals that game. I mean, and, you know, he spread those out over the season. And then he's, I think he's only missed one or two other kicks besides that. But he missed all those in one game, and it cost us a win. Yeah. All right, boys, enough Packers talk, at least for now, and we'll come come back to the NFL in a bit. But the next topic I want to talk to uh, or talk about is this weekend's college football games, mainly because I can't wait anymore in anticipation for Eric Chilson's bets and predictions. Um, I sent him a text wondering if Alabama minus 14 is too low. Um, how, like, if we had to guess the lines for Alabama versus anyone, uh, I kind of personally think Alabama should be a three-touchdown favorite. 
Um, but I want to hear I want to hear our thoughts. We got big games: Texas, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, and of course Pittsburgh, Clemson. All right. So Alabama, Georgia played last season in the national championship game. I think it ended up twenty six, twenty three. It was it went to I overtime. Think, I think that's right. I think that was the final score. Yeah. This season, the only thing that they have in common is they both played LSU. Georgia lost to LSU by twenty. Alabama shut them out like 27 to nothing. Yeah, pretty so much. So by the transitive property, Alabama should win big. However, and you should never bet, right? Isn't that a rule? Never bet against Alabama. Yeah, that's that's one of our like 17 rules. It just feels like this is always a close game though when it's the SEC championship or I guess now in the college football playoff. This is always going to be a one-possession game. I mean, Aaron Murray, like eight years ago, was one yard away from winning the national championship. I just have a gut feeling this is going to be close, so I'm going to take the points, whatever it is, plus 15, 14. It's stupid. I'm giving away free money, but that's just what I feel. Yeah. I mean, you might as well be putting it on Andy Dalton this weekend, too, even though Andy Dalton isn't even playing. Jeff Driscoll? I'm all in on that. (laughs) Uh, Jeff Driscoll wasn't even good in Florida. This is basically starting Logan Thomas 2.0. Didn't he like get kicked? What happened to him? He had a transfer, right? Because he was so bad. Uh, yeah, pretty much everyone on that team transferred. Who was the quarterback at one point? Like Greer Driscoll. Yeah. Um, what was the guy in front of him? The who played for the Pats for a year? Jacoby Brissett. They were yeah. all on Florida like freshmen at the same time. They all had to transfer because it all started with know. the guy after Tebow. Brantley? Was that his name? I feel like his name is Brantley. Seems pretty accurate, actually. Ever since then, they've just had not had a good quarterback. Uh, enough of that tangent, though. Well, let's um, back up a sec. What do you guys think about Georgia? I feel like... So let's back up a second. Uh, what do you guys even think about... Georgia filling that fourth spot in the playoff versus Ohio State filling that fourth spot. I mean, you got a one-loss SEC team versus a one-loss Big Ten team. I'll go go first, and then I'll hit my point, and I think I can tie it all together in why I think uh, you have to bet Alabama this weekend. Um, So it mainly goes back to the losses. Uh, At least we've determined that LSU is a competent team, and while Georgia hasn't beaten a ton of great teams, I didn't really think anyone in the Big Ten was good this year. Uh, just watching Michigan, their quarterback sucks, and their defense is like the reason that they win. They basically just run the read option every single play, but they're not a playoff caliber team. I think that they would lose to Alabama or Clemson by like 40. Um, so I'm not like thoroughly impressed with Ohio State dismantling them this weekend. Uh, and then Ohio State losing at Purdue by 30 points, I think should automatically disqualify them from the top 10. Uh, the only team that I think, th- so I kind of think Oklahoma's too low, but I'm a little biased because I like Oklahoma, Kyler Murray, and their offense. But their defense is absolutely terrible as well. Uh, this is really a year where it wouldn't matter who the fourth team is because they're going to get run off the field by Alabama. Um, so I really would be down to see UCF play if Mackenzie Milton hadn't gotten injured last weekend. Uh, I mean, they're undefeated. They're going to be undefeated two straight years if he's their quarterback. Uh, it's better than the kind of below-average Ohio State team that they're trotting out, the below-average Oklahoma team, and the uh, Georgia team that just doesn't. It's just not as good as Alabama at every position. 
Um, and the and the reason why I think uh, you just have to give up the points and go Georgia this or go Alabama this week is for yeah for a couple reasons that Aaron Murray team a few years ago that was just a much better Georgia team. Um, I, I feel like this Georgia team is not better than the team that they had last year. If anything, they're worse. Uh, and the only reason that Georgia was in that game was because uh, Nick Saban decided to start Jalen Hurts and give uh, Georgia actually 14 points. So they actually spotted them 13 points in the first half, and it was 13 nothing at halftime. Then they put Tua in, and Georgia lost the second half 7-20. to um, So if you extrapolate that over a full game, I really don't see this one being any closer than three or four touchdowns. Uh, I think Alabama's better than they were a year ago, and I think Georgia's worse. So um, I don't know if I don't know if two is playing the fourth quarter, but I think Georgia's fine to give the fourth spot two for now. And then, assuming Oklahoma wins the Big Twelve championship game, uh, they can go get annihilated by Alabama, and maybe their offense will make it a fun game. But they're going to give up seventy points. One reason I would like to see Alabama Georgia as the one four again in the playoff is just. The reaction by everyone that hates the SEC, they are going to lose their minds, and I am all in for that. Also, like you said, Georgia's probably like better than all those teams, so they kind of deserve it, even if they lose to Alabama in this conference championship game. Yeah, in a, tip- in a typical year, I was going to say I'd be down with literally any other conference besides the SEC getting two slots, but I basically just take Alabama and don't even put them in the SEC. I just put them in their own like God conference. Um, like they're in a, like they're in a league of their own. And then basically I'd say SEC, the winner is Georgia. Uh, Clemson is in the ACC winner. And then uh, I don't even think Notre Dame is good. I think this is one of the years where we really didn't need a playoff. It should just be Clemson versus Alabama. Everyone else sucks. Yeah, that's a good point. I think this is this is exactly one of those years where the college football play, the college football playoff is completely unnecessary. I mean, Alabama is by far and away the best team in college football. I mean, there's even been rumblings about banning Alabama from college football. I mean, maybe I'm starting those rumblings right now in this podcast, but uh, it's legitimate. Yeah, start their own league. I like it. Start their own league. I mean, could Alabama? I saw this on ESPN. Could Alabama beat the Buffalo Bills? Depends if Nathan Peterman is playing. At quarterback, I think there's a slight chance that Alabama might go up like 14-0 on two pick sixes. But I still think the Bills would win by by like 30. I don't want to get too far off on a tangent here, but did you guys see the fight between Leonard Fournette and Shaq Lawson? Yeah, where was Nathan Peterman in that one? Uh, He was on his couch at home because he's (laughs) in the middle. R.I.P. Nathan Peterman. But I think that fight was one of the best things that could have ever happened for the Bills because before that, Leonard Fournette was running all over the Bills. He had like 150 yards rushing. They couldn't really stop him, and he took himself out of the game. Shaq Lawson's a hero to all us Bills fans. I'm all in on bully like mentality in sports. Like If you are like mentally weak, you got to take advantage of it. And I'm, I'm pro what Shaq Lawson did as well. Um, so, uh, recycling back, though. Or circling back to recycling. I am all recycling back. Uh, I am all in on Texas winning against Oklahoma and Texas getting the four spot. Just also, again, people losing their minds. Texas is back. Alabama, Texas, and then Alabama wins like 69 to nothing. I would love <laughs> to see that. 
Um, another, uh, a couple of quick tangents on this. We mentioned Nathan, P- Nathan Peterman. Uh, we have to give a quick shout out to his grad school alma mater that he transferred to university of Pittsburgh. Um, 28 point underdogs this week versus Clemson, the ACC championship. I'm still not betting on Pittsburgh. I don't, I don't think that number could be high enough. Um, Clemson really probably wants to redeem themselves for blowing the game uh, a couple years ago. Shout out to B-dubs and liking them wet. Um, <laughs> Make them wet. <laughs> uh, OU Texas actually might be the only good game this weekend. Um, it'll probably just come down to whoever has the ball last because Oklahoma doesn't stop anyone. So um, it is pretty much a coin flip in my mind, but I'm always repping my boy Kyler Murray. So, uh Boomer Sooner. Sorry, I'm looking up Nathan Peterman on Wikipedia. He went down, I'm looking at his personal life category. I feel like every quarterback from the South got married like when they were 20 in college. He is also, he was married in college, Tennessee, girlfriend from Tennessee. That's like a requirement for an SEC quarterback is to get married in college. You basically have to before any any college will recruit you. You have to have a gotta have a ring on your finger. <laughs> if you ain't got a ring on your finger, you don't get a ball in your hand. That's what they say in the SEC. Over under thirty five percent of those marriages being caused due to an unplanned pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've, I was gonna say I've I've seen Friday Night Lights. That's a hundred percent. What a classic show. Can we talk about how terrible of a person Lila Garrity was, though? Um, I know she's super hot, but she cheated on her wheelchair boyfriend <laughs> with his best friend. Yeah, that was messed up. Yeah, it doesn't think, get any lower than that. I mean, we can go on a Friday. We don't. We don't have any more college football to talk about this week, do we? Do either of you guys no, have any more takes just on that? Bet on Washington, Appalachian State. That's all I got. Um, other than that, though, Friday Night Lights. People forget that that one guy murdered somebody in like in season three. <laughs> so shout out to Miles from the Friday Night Lights movie. Which one? Which one was he? Uh, Bowie Miles was the guy. Who, in this was this was the, uh, the 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 football the movie, not the TV series. Yeah, he was like real athletic. He was getting shown in the beginning. He's opening up envelopes from like Texas, LSU, Alabama, all these all these powerhouse football teams and then he tore his ACL and this is in the seventies before they even fixed him. So it basically ruined his, his, uh, football career. Yep. Yeah. So it's weird. Um, I'm now having this big flashback here, uh, to Friday night lights because I actually, so I've seen the movie a few times and I feel like one of the seasons in the movie, they basically take that character and have him as the actual star running back for the team. Um, but yeah, I'm having a flashback because I basically watched Friday Night Lights, uh, like the entire, like from season one all the way to like season four, the one summer that I was working here in, in the Bay Area. Um, and yeah, you're right. The one, Eric, you're right about the one redheaded guy. Um, after he starts dating the one girl, um, we, we might need someone I'll, to... I'll kick in the coverage. We should have added that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was that, Tim Riggins, like, ex-girlfriend or, like, ex-hookup before he started dating Lila? Yeah, who also happens to be an assassin in the first John Wick movie. She just does it all. Yeah. Yeah. 
so she so she's the total package but they just casually kill a dude and it was like i never under like that's when the whole the whole show went to shit for me because it none of it like made sense from that point forward because they like accidentally murdered this guy but they like instead of like being like oh yeah he was a stalker who was like following us and like tried to murder me uh and we were it was like an accident they go bury his body like out in a ditch and then the guy is just like completely uh um nerve-wracked and like freaking out and like tripping basically for months straight at a time that someone's going to find out that i never even remember how the how the like thing ends up resolving itself i like i don't know if they don't find him or like what the like was there a resolution i think they just swept it under the rug i think they never brought it back they probably did like i never understood that though right because he did it in self-defense because he was trying to rape her like why not okay call the police you get off on self-defense what happened is they probably ended up filming those scenes and then they didn't want to address it in the rest of the TV series. And so they just swept it under the rug. They're like, let's bury him. We never have to talk about it again in the series. Can she we- like falls in love with him after he kills that guy too. It's just a bizarre sequence. You know, I only watched the first three seasons because it got so weird after that. I was yeah. like, I can't. I'm not into this anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, was there a, like like a series that had a such a severe drop-off from like, oh, this is a 10 out of 10. This series is awesome, like great drama, blah, 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 to just like the plot now is there's this guy who's trying to rape people <laughs> and like following them around diners and now like the ugliest dude is dating the hottest chick and he accidentally murders someone. Like, I mean... And then they, and it, then they followed it up, like, the next season with Coach Taylor coaching a different team and then all of a sudden he, leading them to state. Yeah, he coached uh, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Um, but the one thing, Friday Night, Friday Night Lights did not put uh, Julie Taylor in a good light at all. As the show got oh, progressed, yeah. she just became just such a terrible <laughs> human being. <laughs> they, the female characters are the the girl actresses in that show were like, they just made them out to be like the worst people on earth. I guess they're like, never trust a girl from Texas. That's basically the premise of Friday Night Lights. <laughs> yeah. The plot got so bad that she was sleeping with all of these, like all the girls were sleeping with random people and like leaving their boyfriends for like just random other dudes. Like, yeah, that, the, yeah, that the seasons got really, really bad after about season two. Yeah. yeah they they started sleeping with everybody else. That's kind of when the series died. She went full Ladybird and just started sleeping with like guys. <laughs> that one guy in the band. I watch a Ladybird. That's a badass flick. It's a good movie. <laughs> All right, that was a good tangent. Um, let's get back into pro football here for a second. Do we, do we have any other things that we have to talk about this week? We have uh, we have fifteen minutes before my hard stop. Uh, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do that before pro football. Let's go into NBA. Er, er, Sam, tell us about the Bucks. Oh man, Bucks are off to a hot start this year. Thirteen and five right now. Uh, second in the East. Number one rated offense. Number one rated defense. Bucks are the real deal. They've got Giannis. They got Brogdon. They've got a lot of pieces and a good coach finally. So I think they they're gonna have it all. All right, I have, a, I have a question for both of you guys um, because I didn't believe that the Bucks were going to make a significant leap this year. I like kind of saw it that Giannis was an MVP and all that stuff, but basically they didn't change their roster at all and just got rid of Jabari Parker and then got rid of Jason Kidd for a real coach. 
is that is that what like coaching does in the NBA is are these teams all basically like if you have one good player and just like your coach sucks like you go from being a 40 win team to like a NBA finals contender and like 60 win team is is that really how like like the how big of a deal coaching is it can be because the Warriors went from a 48 win team to a 62 win team and NBA and won the championship going from Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr so can be I think you need to pump the brakes on the Bucks though because Boonholzer is like statistically the best regular season coach and then a choke artist in the playoffs so I think he's and as a lifelong Bucks fan that only knows pain, I'm not jumping in um, with both feet. I got my pinky toes in right now. I'll wait till we win like a playoff series and then I'll get hyped. But it's when you've been let down so much by one team, you just you can't get any hype for it. But yeah, I agree. I think co- I think it's, this is all coaching and Pat Connaughton somehow the greatest basketball player in the world. I think the difference is now is that uh, the solid coaching has got them playing right fundamentally. They're actually playing solid defense. It's just something they hadn't done in the past. I mean, they've always had, you know, since Giannis has emerged as a good player, they've always had pretty solid offense in the last couple of years, but they never played any defense. But now they're really crashing the board. They're putting their length to good use. They're getting in there. They're breaking up passes. They're blocking shots, and they're, they're uh, rebounding balls. So I think they're playing good fundamental basketball. So. I think, I think they could be good. I, I do have one other counter to uh, Chilson to why the Bucks could be better than Budenholzer's uh, Hawks teams. Um, and it basically is one word, and it's Giannis. Um, no offense or no shade at Paul Millsap um, or Al Horford or, you know, even Jeff, Jeff Teague. But, like, those Hawks teams or Kyle Korver, but they, they just lacked, like... Joe Johnson? Yeah, they just lacked, like, I don't know... Anyone who was like I, like Al For- Al Horford was really good, but he's not like he's not Giannis. He's not winning series by himself or like I mean even even last year Giannis basically beat the Celtics by himself. Um, mm-hmm. If you combine that with like like if this is what he was doing last year by himself, you combine that with a good coach. Uh, it makes me think that in the playoffs, like maybe Budenholzer just got a little bit unlucky because his team kind of sucked. And now he actually has a decent roster with like an all NBA talent. There's a chance that they might be really good in the playoffs and he might not be a choker. He also wanna have to face LeBron for the first time in his career in the playoffs. Which is huge. Also, can we talk about how Jason Kidd didn't believe in shooting three pointers? He he told Chris Middleton once to not shoot three pointers, the guy that's a forty three percent three point shooter. Can we Yeah, it's like Jason Kidd, just because you played in an era where no way shot three pointers, doesn't mean that's the era we're still playing in. Nick, you're good at math. Is yeah. three greater than two? Three is <laughs> greater than two. Also, when you multiply three times 40 versus like two times 0.5, uh, that's that's going to be greater. Like, three to- like if you're making 40% of your threes, it's better than shooting a two that's worth uh, if you make it half the time. There you go. Simple math. Uh, speaking of simple math, uh, the Duke and Zaga game a week ago. Yes. So you know how the Blue Devil has, like, he writes things on his headband? Yeah, he yes. Wrote, one is greater than three because Gonzaga was in that. I, I know, like, I get it. Like, hey, we're the, like, the first 
like number one team is better than the number three team. But just seeing one is greater than three was causing so much irrational anger for all 40 minutes of that game. That's I feel why, like I'm getting old now that that was pissing me off. I mean, that's why they lost, though. That's why Duke lost the game. Simple math. Um, let's talk more about the NBA, uh, just because it's been a weird season so far. Um, Kevin Durant. We were, I think, maybe it was us that was talking. Um, Kevin Durant's not the best player on the Warriors, right? No, it's Steph Curry's team. Yeah. So that's the one thing that, like, I, I just can't seem to emphasize enough or not get over is just, like, how bad the Warriors are when Steph Curry isn't playing compared to how good, like, the Thunder were when Kevin Durant was the only player on the team. Like, Steph Curry... I just think Steph Curry might actually be, I don't want to say better than LeBron because he's probably not in the playoffs, but I think Steph Curry's the second best player in the NBA. I think he's the most important part of the team. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's the one wrong point. If you could play in any era of the NBA, what era would you play in? Because I would choose this era because I would just want to talk shit to KD because he's so soft. You could just call him a bitch, and you'd be in his head immediately. <laughs> you couldn't do that. Like I feel like in the '90s or '80s. I would definitely. I, I, this isn't even a question, um, so we can we can almost debate it for about thirty seconds. I would play in this era right now because any other era, I would be broken, um, like just physically. Like playing in the '80s or the '90s, you'd be like leaving games with like a broken forearm or like broken leg or something like that. You'd just be getting tackled midair. Like it's like saying, would you rather play in the NFL now or like thirty years ago? Like you play back when like Shaq was in his prime, man. He hit the board so hard, like you would not want to guard that guy down low. Nowadays, he get called charging on everything. Yeah. Could you imagine taking a three pointer like on in the nineties? Like if you had Charles Barkley as your teammate, and then one day you decide to shoot a three pointer in practice, he'd probably punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, can, would, do you think Steph Curry would have even been allowed to touch the ball if he played on like the Knicks in the nineties? Absolutely not. What's yeah. the name of that little guard in the Knicks? He would have punched him in the face every time he came up half court. Not Stephen Marbury, but he was he was my favorite. <laughs> no, the guy that always got hurt in the playoffs. Oh, what was his name? Not Allen Houston. No, you're thinking early two thousand. This is nineties uh, Knicks with uh, Patrick Ewing, Starks, oh. John Starks. Starks, yeah. He was the guy that always got in Reggie Miller's head. Speaking of Reggie Miller, greatest pure shooter of all time or Steph Curry? I would have to go with Diana Taurasi on this debate. Shit. <laughs> that's a good one. Maybe we do. We might need a top five for next time that's top five um, purest strokes of all time. And then. Oh, boy. I don't know where that would take us, though. Like, it might go, we might go into real dangerous territory. I mean, because you, you have, oh, I can think of a couple names off the top of my head. Chris Allen. Oh. I feel like, like, this is going to end up being a hot take that's going to show up on all your local talk stations, but I feel like Reggie Miller was just the best shooter of all time, and now it's like, Steph Curry just got, he, he just became, like, evolution just made him better, right? Like, his dad was a great shooter, so then he became a great shooter. But if they, like for his time, like the relativity, 
I I can't really lean Reggie Miller, but I feel like you have to be like that, that for um, when you compare players, you just have to. I think the hardest thing is uh, since everyone is always getting better, you have to do a relativity test of how much better was that guy than the rest of the players playing at that time. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna actually I'm gonna take Reggie Miller on this because he was shooting when no one else shot. This guy paved the way for the three point shot. Mm-hmm. I mean. He basically invented that shot, you could say. Yeah, and it's so much easier now because it's like no one is taught to be shooting threes at a young age when they're Ray Allen or they're Reggie Miller or anything like that. It was so easy for Steph Curry. Like Once Reggie Miller was doing it, they were like, oh, you should just shoot threes all the time. So obviously Steph Curry's going to be better. He had way more practice growing up shooting threes. Also, Steph Curry's a scratch golfer, so he just has more natural athletic talent. So everything in life is easy for him. If we're talking straight shooting into the DMs, that would be Chandler Parsons, though. <laughs> that guy's never missed in the DMs. I like that stroke for pure strokes. Who else is? Who else even keeps up with Chandler Parsons? Is there anyone? I'm trying to think, like DM wise, or shooting his shot. Maybe Joel Embiid when like he first came in the league, he was shooting his shot at like everybody. Rihanna. Dude, models. You know how LeBron has like married and has kids. He ends up like I I swear he ends up like DMing like random Instagram models. No, like he like actively like dates other women. Yeah. Does he really? I never saw that. Yeah, like he's. I I don't even know if he's married. I think he is like legally married, but he's not like with her ever. Only at like galas and like other like big events but other than that he's just always just like in a in a nightclub with some instagram model well basketball players are notorious for sleeping around and cheating on their wives will chamberlain was married and he was used to tell people that he had sex with over ten thousand women i did not make that up wait can we get a (laughs) so i mean how many would that be a day for how many years I went through this math. That's like one a day for 20 years. (laughs) Can you imagine? It has to be more. No? It's going to be like two a day. Well, then the crazy... It's like two a day for 20 years. Do you think that's why he was so good at basketball, though? (laughs) What came first, the women or the basketball? I can't even masturbate twice in a day. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's having sex twice in a day. Dude, I feel you on that one. Or maybe you're just alone. I don't, I don't know, Derek. Come on. All right. I'll do some more investigation about the Will Chamberlain sex stories, and then I'll bring this to our next, next, our next edition. Yeah. Can we get a predictive model for just the probability and likelihood of how many times you would have to do it, and then like a handful of scenario testings? This guy's recharge rate is incredible if that's the case. <laughs> That being said, he did say he did tell stories about having sex with like five women at the same time at a party. So maybe he just had sex with a bunch of women at the same time. Yeah, maybe he was just doing like ten, ten. What do you call that? I don't know. He was doing like ten at a time, like orgies. Yeah. Or maybe he was, he was just doing like one orgy a day. Or maybe he worked on the show and talked about this. All right, yeah, we need we need some uh, further evidence and some actual testimony. Alive? I think so. Does Will Chamberlain have dementia? There's no way a guy that had sex ten thousand times in his life is alive. 
He's got HIV if nothing else. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's why porn stars all die when they're like 40, right? Um, it's either the HIV and AIDS or it's they've used their body to the maximum extent. I, have one, oh, I can't think of it. Porn stars are like midgets. I've never seen one that's like older than 50. <laughs> well, yeah, cause nobody wants to watch a porn with maybe older than 50. Dude, there's a market out there for everything. Yeah, there's. Yeah, it's probably there's true. a category. Um, shoot, I think we're just burning through time at this point. Um, Will Chamberlain died in 1999. He died in 1999. Yeah. Wait, what? I'll we'll about him on next week. I'll cross that <laughs> off my work to do before our next episode. He died in 1999, age of 63, which is older than I thought he would live. <laughs> Right, let's see how he does. Well, I mean, uh, it's heart ca- trouble, congestive <laughs> heart failure, HIV-induced cardiomyopathy. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't it surprising though that like Magic Johnson's still plugging along, and he's had like HIV for twenty-five years, which reminds me of that South Park episode, which is that, that's an all-timer. Yeah. So that being said, now is a good time to talk about the natural history of HIV, in that. Nowadays, a diagnosis is pretty easy to live with. It actually doesn't, a new diagnosis of HIV, if one of us were to get diagnosed in our mid-25, 26 years old range, uh, it wouldn't actually shorten our lifespan at all or wouldn't be expected to because you can actually, medications are so good these days that you can suppress the viral loads in your body low enough that you wouldn't even have a risk of transmitting it to your partner for most of your life until you're like in your 60s because it can keep that suppressed in your body. So what, you're, guys. so what you're saying is um, there's no reason to have protected sex? Oh, I wouldn't say that. I mean, there's no. it's not fun taking the, the four or five medication regimens your whole life. Yeah, you just got to throw they, money on your body, just like yeah. magic. <laughs> is there going to be like a male contraceptive, pretty, like a pill? I think there already there is. is. Is there a male birth control pill? Uh, that's a good question. It's called testosterone, and no man, they've marketed it before, but no man wants to take it. So if you take extra testosterone, it actually suppresses your own sperm production. And so it's like a male form of uh, contraception, similar to how women take estrogen to suppress their ovulation. Hmm. Is there, a, like, is there like a... A test market at all I can get I can sign up for? <laughs> I, I believe you can sign up at your local GNC. <laughs> uh, okay. There at GNC, I'm trying to have sex and not have kids. <laughs> it says he died at the dentist. Will <laughs> Will Chamberlain? All right, this is gonna take some more investigatory work. All right, we're all gonna look up Will Chamberlain, and then we're gonna get back next weekend with like written and oral reports just to further describe what has happened in Wilkes Chamberlain's life. sexually active at the age of 14. Is that, is that supposed to be early? I'm just saying, so like, <laughs> let's say he started having sex twice a day at the age of 14. Yes, he, he'd be man. done by like 40. So he'd be done by 40 then? Yeah, about. Okay, so let's say he was doing it once a week from 14 to 20, and then he goes to college and pros, and then it's like, Two two a day. He's doing two a days. Yeah, I mean it's physically possible. It depends when he gave the interview. Um, but it's like I mean, if you do it like what, um, it, it, like it'll be if you do it once per day, th- 
365 times three, that puts you at about a thousand. So you do that for 10 times. It's about, it's a little under 30 years. You went to Kansas. So I can't imagine he was having too much sex. <laughs> I mean, rock chalk Jayhawk. He also then played at Cincinnati. I forgot about that. He was having sex in some of the, <laughs> the grittiest cities in America. He probably has had sex in every city in America. Mm-hmm. He's just got a bunch of steel working kids. Yeah. I wonder how many chi- how many children Will Chamberlain has. What does it say that on the Wikipedia? So if you have unprotected sex twenty thousand times, how many kids would you have? Mathematically, a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna Google this. Chances of having a kid with. I'm gonna oh, guess right, like. Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! This. It is autobi. It is nineteen ninety nine, or on nineteen ninety nine on nineteen ninety one autobiography. Chamberlain claimed he had some with almost twenty thousand women. Okay, now that's actually really pushing it for like physically 20, possible. 20,000. <laughs> okay, so there's a twenty percent chance of conceiving in unprotected sex, according to the first Google <laughs> story. <laughs> that seems really high. <laughs> yeah. But I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna I'm gonna believe everything I read on the internet. So you think there are four thousand uh, descendants of Will Chamberlain? <laughs> He's like Vince Vaughn in that movie where he has like a thousand yeah. kids. And yet Chamberlain maintained until his death in 1999 that he never fathered a child. Well, I mean, like, bro, he he's got a lot of child did. support to pay. I mean, I guess you can get away with it, right? Well, I don't know, it'd be pretty hard to, when you're famous to. I guess you could, before phones though, or like Facebook, you could probably get away from like avoiding somebody. Yeah, forever. it'd be pretty hard to track him down. I mean, he was always on to the next team. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's cool. he just he did it at the right time of having unprotected sex with twenty thousand women. I'm saying there's almost no way he cannot have at least one kid. Probably Zion is his off-brand. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, it'd be right around like he'd be in the NBA right now. Yeah. Zion Wilperlin. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. I'm cutting off our Wilt Chamberlain talk because we're at time and because we have to save some for next week. Um, we'll further discuss. We, we have to break down what is going on right now in Dallas, New Orleans uh, at, at a further time because Dallas is just really shown up for the first half. Um, Ooh, so hopefully you guys took the under or took the Cowboys or took the points or something. Um, but yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit more NFL next week and break down the CFP if, it, if we have the chance. But yeah, until then, we'll sign off. Uh, maybe we don't even do a formal sign-off anymore. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, no, no formal intro, no formal sign-off. All right, we're just going to end the podcast then. Yeah.